This is SAFM Sport with Tabiso Musia. Okay, before we go to Jeremy Smith, French football writer, let's play you this video that was posted by Paul Pogba's older brother, Matthias. In different languages, we've got the one in English where he threatens to make some serious revelations about his brother, his younger brother. Hi, everyone. This is Matthias Pogba. I will announce you that soon I will make great revelation about my brother Paul Pogba and Rafael Pimenta, a lawyer, a friend, a confident, the one who called today the most powerful woman of football and called by my brother, his servant mother. For those who don't know me, I'm a professional footballer and also the big brother of the world champion Paul Pogba, currently playing at Juventus Turin after a disappointing spell at Man United. I don't think you missed it. With the hype surrounding his transfer and his setbacks due to his injury and his unforgettable catastrophic documentary. Currently, my brother is recovering to be prepared for the future World Cup, which will be played in a short time. So, if I am making this video today and embarking on this process, it is because I believe the French, Italian and English public, my brother's fan and even more, the French national team, the Juventus team, my brother's teammate and his sponsors deserve to know certain things in order to make an informed decision whether he deserves the admiration, respect and love of the public, whether he deserves his place in the French national team and the honour of playing in the World Cup, if he deserves to start at Juventus, if he's a trustworthy person that any player would want to have at his side, and finally, is he worthy of being taken as a representative and model by the youth of the world and, of course, the big brands? Unbelievable. And Jeremy Smith, French football writer, will um, help us, uh, will help give us a better understanding of what's going on here. Jeremy, good evening from us in South Africa. Thanks for being able to speak to us. Hi, thanks a lot for having me. Thank you. What a bizarre story here, Jeremy. What is going on? How, how did this all start? Yeah, it's 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 very bizarre. Unfortunately, obviously, it's not the not the first time that um, a France player or France squad has been rocked by sort of stories of, of blackmail. But this one's definitely sort of yeah. different and more sinister to the the Valbuena and Benzema one, um, particularly because it involves two brothers who, until now, had always seemed extremely close. You know, you look at all the photos of of France celebrating winning the World Cup or the the last Euros even. And, and Matthias is always in the stand supporting Paul. So it's a shame that this has kind of collapsed so dramatically. But um, it seems that, that this all started sort of in, in March time when, when Paul Pogba went um, to, to visit family in Paris. And he was basically taken arguably at gunpoint to, to some strange apartment where supposed sort of childhood friends of his basically demanded 13 million euros in sort of protection money saying you know you're our childhood friends you should be looking after us you've been a professional for 13 years so we want a million euros for each year you've been a professional um it sounded like pogba did try to give them a certain amount of money but um and thought that that would be an end to it but then when the when they basically kept pushing and they they sort of turned up um in I think it was July in uh, at Juventus to to kind of threaten him again, and he noticed this time that, that his brother was involved. That was when he went to the police, and obviously since then, maybe strangely I don't know, but um, Matthias Pogba has decided to sort of 
I guess, air the dirty laundry in public with with these sort of very public TikTok and Instagram messages, um, you know, threatening Pogba, saying that he's got um, explosive evidence that that would kind of ruin Pogba's reputation and and certainly jeopardize his place in the France squad. Sure. Okay. So so has he has he revealed some of these allegations that he's making? He hasn't revealed any of the evidence yet, but the main, I guess, the main sort of piece of evidence that that he's kind of threatened to reveal, which everyone has latched onto, is that he claims that he has proof that Pogba consulted a, a marabou, um, which I don't, depends how you want to translate it. I mean, some would say a healer, some would say a witch doctor. Um, but uh, he he suggested that he consulted a marabou in order to sort of, um, I guess, have a negative influence on on Kylian Mbappe. Obviously, Mbappe is kind of the you know to an extent the the darling of the France squad, and and um, yeah, and if if there were to be some kind of falling out between Pogba and Mbappe, there's no doubt that Mbappe would sort of come out on top. And you mentioned that Paul has spoken to the police. Did he voluntarily go to the police to give his side of the story or was he questioned by the police and asked to come and answer? He he voluntarily went. He, as I said, he didn't go the first time there was an issue, but when it was clear that, that this wasn't something that this gang or whatever were going to uh, let lie, he, 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 reported, he reported the issue first to his club and, and then to the police. And I saw he also in the statement says somebody withdrew 200,000 euros from his bank account and it's somebody close to him. Is, he, is it a similar incident, basically? Is it his, could it be his brother and the gang? I don't think it's, I, I don't think there's any suggestion that that person is his brother. Uh-huh. Um, and in terms of the gang, I mean, it's certainly in one of his childhood friends. I think by all accounts, Pogba is one of those players who has always been very good to his entourage. And it was um, a friend of his who was who was staying with him in Manchester when he was still at United. Mm. Um, and yeah, Pogba found out that uh, had seen that um, this guy had basically taken two hundred thousand from his credit card. Sure. And what have the people in France made of this bizarre story here, Jeremy? Um, it's funnily enough, France. They're not, you know, certainly compared to to England. That that, for example, that they're, they're not as into all this kind of soap opera thing so it certainly raised eyebrows and obviously is it it is a big story um but i think that there's a feeling to an extent that pogba's france career may be coming to an end anyway he's obviously he's got this injury that put his world cup place in doubt anyway but only yesterday he kind of suffered a a a relapse he's been operated on and his world cup place looks even more unlikely now um and you know, in France now, the season has started. We're so, everyone is so distracted by all the the soap opera around <laughs> PSG that uh, you know maybe this has taken a um, sort of second billing to that. But yeah, it's certainly it's certainly attracted interest. I think you know, particularly after as I said the the Valbuena Benzema story of a, of a couple mm. of years back, it's the kind of thing we're always wary of stories of you know some kind of internal fighting ruining France's chances in major tournaments. But this one is just, I think it's been particularly shocking for people because it involves, you know, two brothers falling out. And there's, there is a, it's not just the football aspect. It's not just the sort of gossipy aspect. There's a human aspect and it's kind of sad to see.
Yeah, and has there been any word from Mbappe, who's been who's been mentioned here a few times? So he, in his uh, press conference yesterday, um, sort of prior to the, the Champions League, he basically said, "Look, I've spoken to Pogba on the phone. He says there's nothing to it. I haven't, you know, there's no way I did anything, sort of, you know, to to try to to affect you." And Mbappe has said, "You know, he'd, he'd rather take the word of a teammate than than." Mm some strangers so for the moment certainly publicly he's 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 sort of on Pogba's side or certainly not against him and I guess it, it will all depend on whether Matthias comes through with with the evidence that he threatens to to have okay well you mentioned the soap opera at uh at PSG, but thanks for the insight on this story. They uh, kick off against Juventus tonight in the group stages of the Champions League. Overall, what are the expectations? Oh, obviously, the, are the, uh, the expectations are to still win the Champions League this season. Can they do it this season, uh, Jeremy? They can do it, but I think, in theory, they've been able to do it the last few years and obviously have fallen short. Mm. Um, I think that they're still... You know the way that the way the season has started, and with Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe all kind of close to the top of their form. You know, with those three players, you've always got a very good chance of beating anyone, of outscoring anyone. So they've definitely got a good chance. And I think, although he's more unheralded, I think the the crucial player so far this year has been Vitinha, who's come in relatively quietly, but has been so central to kind of. Um, making the link between the midfield and the attack. So helping Verratti in the transitions to the attack, but then also when PSG don't have the ball, um, doing his defensive shift, which maybe takes a little bit of responsibility off the front three. So they've definitely got the ability. It's just that, as usual, first of all, we have to see how they do against the really top teams, particularly in that issue where you've got three players who just don't show that much inclination to to track back and help the defence. And secondly, in some ways, arguably, it's a very thin squad. They only have three centre-backs, and that includes Ramos, who's quite injury-prone now, and Kimpembe, who's quite accident-prone. Um, and as I said, Vitinha, who suddenly is already very, very crucial. You know, in the one match that he's missed in the league this year, it was the match that PSG were arguably relatively lucky to draw. Mm. So, you know, as long as they have their first team fit and on form, they can beat anyone on their day but there's still a couple of unknowns there and there's still one or two injuries away from I think struggling a little okay five wins from six and a draw so far for PSG in League R and what has the new manager um Galtier Christopher Galtier brought to the team he's the guy that won the league with Lille right yeah so he's I mean obviously he's got a very good league app pedigree the big the big question mark is Champions League where he's he's very inexperienced but what he's brought, I think what he's brought in first of all I think already just the fact that he's French and maybe not as big a name as some of the foreign coaches that have been brought in has kind of changed the mindset at PSG I think although the the starting 11 hasn't changed much from last year I think that the fact that they have a French coach and they've brought in a couple of French players they have some um, French support staff on the bench I think has just sort of brought PSG maybe closer to their roots and a little bit away from this sort of bling bling image um, and then he's changed his changed the PSG system and actually also his system um, playing three at the back which is very much not what he's done throughout his career which I think has shown his adaptability 
he's he's already sort of stamped his authority on the team, which is impressive because I think that's what a lot of people thought he'd struggle to do. He's never had the same kind of, um, I guess, star quality as, the, for example, that front three in the previous teams that he's managed. And maybe most importantly, it's the fact that he's working in tandem with uh, Campos, who obviously was was part of the Monaco setup that won the league and then part of the Lille setup that won the league. I think the two of them working together gives them a little bit more authority than than coaches have had in the past or maybe they haven't had enough other people supporting their decisions or the choices that they've tried to make, whether it's in terms of tactics or selection. I think the two of them, um, you know, even with the sort of Neymar Mbappe penalty gate issue a couple of weeks ago, working together, they kind of, you know, put both of them back in their place, kept them, kept them in line. And I think it's, it's the fact that it's not just in the past, it's felt like a little bit, you know, it's the coach against everyone else. But I think now that Galtier has someone else on his side, um, both of them have been given maybe so far a little bit more authority than previous coaches. Um, hopefully that that's, that's helping on the pitch. And, you know, as long as there's a good dynamic on the pitch, then, then things will go well for him. The, the big question mark, obviously, is if they hit a bit of a dip in form, how quickly will the fans turn on him? How quickly will the players turn on him? How quickly will the directors turn on him? But so far, considering he was a little bit of a surprise because he's not as big a name as have come in the past, I think he's, he's sort of passed every test very well. And just the last one, Jeremy, on Nis. I see Nis have made some big signings. I can't say I've been following them, but they've brought in Kasper Schmeichel, Ross Buckley, Pepe, and all these guys. Uh, what is happening there at Nis? To be honest, it's it's a little bit of a mess there. I feel <laughs> like that the the squad that they've I mean they've brought in a lot of players, and it's kind of a real sort of mixture of of talented young players, some of some of whom they already had, as you said, a sort of two or three players who either pass their best or are trying to kind of regain their best form after maybe not doing so well in the Premier League. Um, you know, in Barclays' case, arguably sort of been, you know, basically run out of chances with various clubs in, in the Premier League. They've got, they've brought back their old manager, Favre, who, um, I, you know, I think it's a bit of a sort of truism in football that you should never go back. And so far that's being proved right. They've swapped Guiri, who is a very talented attacker who was sort of being wasted playing on the wing with Laborte. He's a very good centre-forward, but they already have Delors as a good centre-forward. Schmeichel has been awful so far. You know, to be fair to him, I think, you know, goalkeeper has to take, it takes a while for a goalkeeper to develop an understanding with his defence, but he really hasn't shown the form that he has shown in previous years with Leicester. So I think it's a little bit of a mess. With the, When the new owners came in, it looked like, you know, there was going to be some kind of well thought out project that would see them spend a lot of money and, and possibly look to rival PSG. But at the moment, it feels like there's not too much direction. They don't really know whether to go with youth or go with experience, what kind of football they want to play, the, the profile of players they've got don't entirely fit in with the sort of, I guess, quick passing, not quite tiki-taka, but, you know, the, the footballing ethos of, of Lucien Favre. So he hasn't stamped himself on the team yet. And yeah, it, it's really, it's not looking good so far. You know, obviously there's still time and there's certainly a lot of talent within the squad, but um, I... <laughs> 
the dynamic there seems this seems seems pretty bad. There don't seem to be good vibes coming from there. And and their defeat to Monaco on Sunday was, you know, both teams were were pretty poor, but Nice looked um, particularly disappointing. Okay, let's see how it pans out. But thanks, Jeremy, for speaking to us here in South Africa. Pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Jeremy Smith, French football writer. They're giving us the lowdown on what's happening with the Pogba brothers. I mean, what kind of a chop must you be to try and extort money from your younger brother, guys? Ah, uh, Mateas. Mateas, what are you doing now? He's the he's the one that played for Guinea, right? Yes, he's the one that played for Guinea and also played in 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 in, in Ligue A in France. I think he played for Saint Etienne or Reno, one of those clubs there. I mean, really, guys. But anyway, um, yeah, let's leave it here for now.